Happy New Year's. My name is Camille Smith. I am a senior at DuPont Manual, and I have been in Middletown Christian's youth for, I don't know, as long as I can remember, I guess. So now some of you may or may not heard of Deborah. I know that I did not until I read her story, and I thought that it was something that's quite interesting. In this time before kings were rulers of whatever land or nation, there were judges, hence the book of Judges, which we just read from. And God brought each judge to the nation to restore order in that nation. Deborah, however, was the first female judge, the first female of power that it was handed to her. The problem in this time was that women were suppressed and thought of as inferior, something that we still see today, but not to such a heavy extent. We see it a lot in media where women are just gazed over for their bodies. We see it in politics where most of the positions are held by men. We see it in education where girls in the Middle East are denied an education or in, in impoverished areas where schools are scarce or non-existent. We see it a lot in the wage gap between each gender. And the gender inequality happens every day in all of our lives, no matter where we are or what we do. And so I know this because it's even happened to me. Just because I'm a girl, I've been told that I can't get good grades. I've been told to rethink what I want to do as a profession when I grow up. And throughout my life, given that I'm only 17, I've been told to do a lot of things to keep to myself and to not branch out and do the things that I would like to. And so with this same kind of oppression, Deborah wasn't exactly the ideal judge that the Israelites were looking forward to. She was not a man like all the other judges before her, so they thought that maybe she might not have been capable. But I thought that this was cool because she became a judge, and we hear a lot of the women in the Bible doing great things, but usually they have no political power. They only use what they have. Okay, so take the midwives who delivered Moses, for example. Good example. They were just a couple of women in Egypt at the time who delivered babies, and they were ordered to kill all the baby boys, but a few of them just blatantly disobeyed and so that's how Moses floated down the river into the hands of the Pharaoh's daughter in Egypt at the time. But Deborah's a little bit different than those women. She was given that political power of such a high status and she used it to still make a difference. Considering that she wasn't the first judge sent, the Israelites were still looking up to Deborah to uh, um, hope that she had the hopes that she could say that God saved them from this conquering nation. A very big shoe to fill, I would think. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily want to do it, but she did, and it was great. So she said to Barak that the victory of Sisera, the opposing army general, would not be of his, but at the hands of a woman. And so it was. At the hands of Jael, the wife of Herber the Kenite, Sisera was killed. And if you guys want to know the full story, I think that you should read it for yourself, because the Bible can be pretty gruesome at times. But that doesn't mean Deborah wasn't a great judge who fulfilled what God told her to do. And so the Israelites listened once again. Deborah paved a way and set an example that just because you may be of a minority, it doesn't mean that you can't do something to change an issue in your life right now or in the community around you. Or just because people say that you can't do something, it doesn't mean they're right. It doesn't mean it's true. 
And so she paved a way specifically for women in the society to make a change, to start a movement with hopes that other people would jump on board and start making a difference with them too. For me, some strong women in my life that many of you may know are Dolly Mills and Tamara Brown. I know that they're always there for me. They inspire me. They will listen when I need them. They always have good advice for me. They answer my questions when they have them or they simply just let me have a conversation when I need it. They support me. And so on D Now, Dolly did not hesitate to host all the upperclassmen nor did she hesitate to feed all of us. And Tamara, on the other hand, she treats me like one of her own, especially on church trips. And both of them are always looking out for me and the other youth as well. And so they help lead the way and pave a way for me. And here I am now, preaching to the congregation. I hope to do the same for someone too, whether it be one of the younger youth who sit right here in the front, or if it be for one of you who have been wanting to do something for a while but needed that extra push just to go for it. But the main idea of Deborah was that she was a woman of high power that made God's land his again. The people were not listening. She came in and she changed that. She did what the male judges did before her and it worked the same. It matters that she was a judge because she made a change differently than the other judges. The land was regained at the hands of a woman. It matters that she was a judge because the entire nation was listening to, learning from, and following a woman. She was a leader and prophet for God, even if the people of the nation did not think that she was capable. Deborah was the judge in the midst of a war and helped the Israelites drive away the ones who controlled them. Therefore, God thought that Deborah was capable and a worthy judge, and she was equal in the eyes of God. Making a change looks like this. Making a change looks like Ellen DeGeneres being awarded the Medal of Freedom. Making a change looks like Susan B. Anthony advocating for women's rights. Making a change looks like Michelle Obama campaigning for the children of our nation to live healthier lifestyles. Making a change looks like Rosa Parks refusing to give up her seat. Making a change looks like Wilma Rudolph overcoming polio as a child to go continue on to track and field and winning three gold medals in the 1960 Summer Olympics. And making a change looks like Peyton Mills and me preaching to the congregation of Middletown Christian Church today. Making a change looks like all of us working together as a family because it's not a one for one deal. It's all of us working together as a family to empower young women to go for the gold, to dream big, to live life to the fullest. Support them to involve themselves in youth and in youth services. Support them to branch out to play a sport, to make new friends, to do research, to go to college, to become a doctor, to become the president, to work for NASA, to inspire people to go out and follow their dreams. We have to be the change that we wanna see in the world. We have to teach each other to make a change in today, and it's just a hop, leap, and a jump away. It could happen anytime, with anybody, anywhere. Good morning, everybody. So I see a lot of familiar faces today and some new ones. I think it's safe to say that um, some of you may be trying out the new year to come to church more often, and some of you may be sitting in the same seat that you sit in every week. And both of these things are great. 
But I know that every person here has been in some sort of situation in their life where they feel like they've been stuck in a rut. Maybe you feel like you've been in this place where you just feel like you're stuck and you have been there for an eternity. And it may not even be a bad place either. I mean, here we are inside this beautiful, warm, welcoming church in our safe little east end of Louisville, this little box that we're in that's called Middletown, which is also great. I mean, we have everything we could possibly need here, right? We've got church, school, Kroger, Panera, B-dubs, five mattress stores. What more could we ask for? But this box that we put ourselves in allows us to be complacent in these comfort zones that we have. And this can be what prevents us from doing something out of the ordinary, reaching out to others or hearing what God is calling us to do. So let's backtrack a little bit. Most of you may find it a little weird to see me speaking into this microphone today um, because usually I'm seeing into it. And I promise it's weirder for me, though. Uh, whenever Dave asks one of us in the band if we'll do a short prayer in between songs, it is just, please not me. Nobody wants to do it. I've been involved with the music ministry and leading worship since fifth grade. It's become a very big part of my life over the past few years. And I wish I could say that every time I'm up here worshiping, that I'm putting my full heart into it and praising the Lord all the time. But that's not always how it goes. Sometimes I don't get fully invested into that worship. And even though I try my hardest, sometimes it's, Peyton, you really have to get up. We're leaving for church in 20 minutes. And you roll out of bed, and you're like, oh, I have responsibilities. I actually have to go. So overslept that alarm, got to go to church. You know, I have a hard time finding the energy to worship sometimes without going through the motions. And that's my rut. Actually putting my heart into what I'm doing up here or down in youth worship becomes difficult, and I've gotten too comfortable and complacent with what I've been doing for the past eight years. I'm sure some of you may have experienced a rut of your own. It may be a job that you just can't find any enjoyment in anymore. You go every day and spend hundreds and hundreds of hours doing something that you don't have passion for anymore. Or maybe you're just struggling to find happiness and joy in things that you used to find fulfilling and you might have found more laughter and enjoyment in at one time. So my question is, how can each and every one of us break out of these ruts that we're in and let God change us to be his microphones? I mean, it's easy to get caught up in the distractions that fill up our lives and get lost in our worlds that are all about me, me, me. We can't speak out for others, though, if we aren't in a place where we're able to hear what God is saying to us. So how about we take a look at our old friend Esther. This is a Jewish woman ruling alongside King Xerxes, but he made her queen not knowing that she's a Jew. And in a time of persecution and danger for her people, she's presented with two choices. She can either speak out on behalf of her people, or she can stay silent. And this choice is what defines the whole book of Esther. So let's take a look at her options. Option one, she can speak out for her people. And this seems like the right moral choice. Pick that one, bring deliverance to your people. But it's not that simple. By doing this, she risks losing her new position of power, not to mention her life. She's no longer the perfect innocent queen that King Xerxes thinks she is. So is it really worth losing that royalty and the comfort that she's gotten used to? Or there's option two, she can stay silent. That's the easy choice. That's Esther's comfort zone. And this choice, although selfish, leaves her with her image and her power and her royalty. 
servants waiting on her every want and need, every meal cooked to her liking, personal Beyonce concerts whenever she wants to at the snap of a finger. However, if she chooses this life of luxury and royalty, her family and her people get killed, and she watches it all happen without lifting a finger. This is Esther's me, me, me moment where she has to decide between saving herself or saving her people. Now, option one obviously seems like the best choice, right? But put yourself in Esther's position. It's not always that easy to put yourself in a vulnerable position and get yourself out of your own rut. She has to speak up to the almighty king and ask him to revoke what has already been put into place. This is a law. But Esther's uncle Mordecai pushes her to stand up for her people because he knows that this is her opportunity to bring deliverance for her people. Because who knows, maybe she was made queen for just such a time as this. So Esther ends up asking the king to protect her people. And by the king's order, the Jews could arm and defend themselves and kill anybody who threatened them. All she had to do was take that first step and ask. So like Esther, we have to think about what our first step is to take to make a difference in our lives, in the lives of the church, and in the lives of the people around us. So my question is to you, what are the distractions in your life that are holding you back from hearing what God has to say to you? This year, I'm making music my mission because this worship experience is nothing without the actual act of living out the word. A couple of years ago, I went with a couple of youth to the Deerson House, which is a halfway house for women who are transitioning from prison back to uh, regular home life. It was a very weird experience. It was very cool. Um, so I go to this place that's completely foreign and different to me. And going outside of the walls of this sanctuary and worshiping in this new place really brought out the abundance of God in that room. I mean, it was crazy that these women that I just thought were so different from me were all the same. The only thing that's different about them is maybe a few different choices, a different living situation. I mean, that could be me if maybe I'd grown up in a different way. It was the most powerful moving worship experience I'd ever experienced, and that's the kind of reaching out and moving towards others that I would like to continue doing more of. So what are you going to do or say or change this year to step out of your comfort zone? Maybe you just need someone pushing you to take that first step. Let me be that person. Go on that mission trip you've been thinking about going on for two years. Volunteer to help out with youth or children's ministry. I mean, are there some of you who have never been over to the children's side or looked down at the youth center? Take a visit down there. We're pretty nice. <laughs> or join a small group. There's so many opportunities. But if you feel like you've been on the sidelines for a while, I challenge you to take that first step out of your box and let God use you as his microphone. Have your Esther moment and remove yourself from that me, me, me mindset and focus on inspiring and helping others. That first step is the hardest, but there's so many opportunities and ways to be the difference in our world, especially through this church. So let's change our routine and cut time from your crazy lifestyles that are so busy and make space for a little bit of God. Because we can't always hear from God when we are in our little comfort zones. What better time to step up and hear God than in the new year?